Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing WAIO in your Play Store. Paul Key Davis has been a dear friend of Bev and I's now for almost 17 years. Uh, some of the major prophetic experiences that we've had as a church, he was instrumental either in bringing those into our lives or connecting us with the right people that brought those into our lives. So he's been a part of the prophetic destiny and the direction of our church. He's part of our presbytery that we look to for leadership. Uh, I'd like to personally say about Paul Keith, he's one of the most sincere men of God that I know. He's humble. He's uh, full of integrity and character. He's a student of Scripture. Uh, he's uh, one of the hungriest men I know for revelation and knowledge of God, a student of history. And any time I get to sit and hear him speak, it's a, it's a privilege because I always go away with something that moves me forward in my destiny and my purpose. Uh, he's been through some stuff lately, and uh, it's been exciting to see him come through. I love what this preacher said one time. A lady came up to him and said, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. He said, Hallelujah. <laughs> she said, No, I mean, you didn't hear what I said. I said, You don't know what I'm going through. He said, Hallelujah. <laughs> she said, Pastor, no, I said, I'm going through some stuff. He said, Hallelujah. She said, Why do you keep saying Hallelujah every time I tell you I'm going through? He said, Because every time you say it, I know you're going through. You're not staying here. You're going through, right? And I'm so excited that he has come through and now on the other side of some things, and he's here today with us. Would you welcome, not a little welcome, I want you to really help me welcome Paul Keith Davis to Word Alive today. Come on, tell him you're glad he's here today. Somebody get ready, get ready, get ready. Uh, thank you very much. We were in the green room a moment ago, and... Bev said, you know, my husband has a lot of charisma. And I'm like, you think? <laughs> just a little bit. Wow, it's just great uh, to be back, you know. How many of you were in the morning service? Uh, wow, quite a number. You came back for more? Okay, all right. I didn't know how much to repeat myself is the reason I asked that. But I may, uh, I may hit a few points again that I had shared this morning. But, but uh, it's just great to be here. I love Kent and Bev and this church, you know. I was trying to think how far back we go, and it's 17 years. That's quite a while, isn't it? I remember uh, many of the old meetings we used to do, and, and uh, I used to host some, some meetings in Alabama, lower Alabama, and uh, Kent would always come. And I remember one time I had this, you know, this prophetic conference of mature Christian believers. About 900 people showed up. We packed out this church, and Kent does a Friday night service, you know, and all of a sudden gets on an altar call. <clears throat> And I'm like, well, Kent, these people registered. They are mature Christian people. And so he gave an altar call, and 12 people came down to get saved. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so he said, well, if you're going to come down to get saved, you've got to get baptized. And I'm like, I'm borrowing this church. We don't have a, you know. So they brought out a baptismal the next morning, and a portable baptismal, you know, and we were going to baptize those 12. And they set it up right over here on the side of the church. And, <clears throat> and so eight of the 12 could make it back the next day, which is pretty good. And so they brought their clothes and all the things they were supposed to change into. And so we began to baptize those eight, and the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit fell in the baptismal. Kent was on one side, I was on the other. And, 
And, I mean, you could feel the anointing, you know. And so we baptized those eight, and the next thing I looked, and there's eight more. And people were just getting out of their seat, and we baptized those eight with clothes on, everything, women included, makeup going everywhere. And, you know, I'm like, oh, boy, this is getting real, <laughs> you know. And so, and we baptized those eight and looked up, there's eight more. Then a pastor friend of mine from Frederick, Maryland, and, you know, he took off his shirt, had on a T-shirt, but just fully clothed. You know, he hops in there. We baptize him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just the way they do it in the book of Acts. You know, repent and be baptized uh, in, in, for the remission of your sins, and you shall repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we baptized this pastor who had been pastoring 35 years. He comes out of the water and doesn't move. This is a very conservative guy I know well. And so he stuck the mic in his face and said, what happened? He said, when I came out of the water for the first time, he said, I've been pastoring 35 years. When I came out of the water for the first time, I heard a voice say, this is my beloved son. Well, that did it. <laughs> now we got 30 more, you know. And so somebody ran across the parking lot to Sam's, bought every towel they could find, you know, because we had... Women, you know, coming out wet, just, I'll, I'll leave it alone with that, you know. We were trying to cover and just do whatever, you know. And I remember there was this one precious lady, you know, and, and she said, I just had my hair done, but the Lord said, get baptized. And I said, well, <laughs> we'll do what the Lord said. So we, so this is a true story. I, I hope I don't lose the anointing. <laughs> but, but we baptized her and we brought her up and the water just washed off like a duck's back. And I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> Nothing moved. It, was, it looked the same after she went under as it looked when she came up. It was an amazing story because I don't, I don't you know, she's from this area and I don't want to embarrass her, but it's an, really an amazing story because her husband had um, just died. And... Um, she had gone in, had, I think it was a knee issue, something kind of minor, and she had encouraged him to, to get this surgery, and, and, um, and, she, and he was kind of reluctant to do it, but he went in with her encouragement, and there was a complication during the surgery, and he died. And so she was feeling all this guilt and remorse, and she told me that the Lord said, if you'll get up and go be baptized, I'll take that, that grief out of your soul. And, um, and she said, but Lord, I just had my hair done. That's what she said. She told me this herself. I said, he said, well, it's up to you. But you go get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll take that grief out of your soul. So she had on her pearls, and she was a very refined lady, and so we baptized her. And she said it lifted. She came to me later and said that she never, she didn't feel it anymore. And we ended up baptizing 98 people that morning. 98 people. And I just saw someone two weeks ago at Morningstar that is on staff there at Morningstar, and they said they were in that meeting and that they, their life was changed when they were baptized that morning. They were one of the ones, they said, that had no clothes. They just went with what they had on, you know, and, and uh, we, we did the best we could. And, and, to, and uh, I like changed lives, don't you? I like it when the Lord shows up and does things unconventionally. And I pray he'll do that this morning. I'm feeling a little something different this morning, this session. I, I feel some weightiness on me. I feel a little, a little, in a good way, not unhealthy weightiness. I just feel 
a sense of responsibility. I feel a sense of, of importance over what we're going to, to do. I have this utter conviction that if you begin to speak under the anointing, your words don't fall to the ground. I have this conviction that the Bible says that he will put his words in our mouth and cover us with the shadow of his hands to do what? Establish the heavens and found the earth and to say to Zion, you are my people. And so if we come under the anointing and the, and the Lord puts his word in our mouth, it's going to do something. I have the faith to believe that. We can say something this morning that will change this region. We can say something this morning that can change Alabama or can change the church. If we get under the anointing and the Lord just decides, I'm just going to do this. I've made my mind up. I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. There's no power in existence that can keep it from happening. You realize that? When God utters a word from the throne of heaven, there is no power that can keep it from happening. The devil doesn't have enough power to stop, to stop the movement of God. And we've come to that now. We've come to this kairos moment of human history when God's plan is about to be fulfilled and there's nothing that can stop it. We might choose for ourselves to stop, not be a part of it personally, and I pray to God no one within the sound of my voice does that, but corporately speaking, he's going to have his harvest. The Lord is going to have his outpouring. He will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. Do you know the Father will not give anything less than a perfect bride to his son for the, for the sufferings of his son? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, though he despised the shame. Why did he have shame? Because the very first thing that came on humanity as a result of the fall was shame. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they were not ashamed. The very first evidence of the fall of man was shame. And so what did the Lord Jesus do? I know we don't like to think about this. It breaks my heart to even say it, but I've seen it. The Lord hung on the cross naked. Can you imagine God allowing himself to come in the form of a human being? It says, Paul said, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not sinful flesh. He came in the likeness. He looked like a normal human being on the outside. But don't you know something? On the inside was God. <laughs> On the inside was the eternal spirit. On the inside of him was the life-giving spirit, and he had the anointing without measure. And don't ever think for a minute that they took his life. He laid his life down. They could not have taken his life if they tried. He said, for this purpose did I come into this earth. They didn't drag him to the cross. He allowed them to lead him to the cross. He told, he told uh, Pilate, he says, you would have no authority over me if it wasn't given to you by my father. Let's just, keep in, let's just keep this thing in order. Let me just tell you right now, you have no authority over me. Only what my father has given you. Don't ever think for a minute he didn't have everything under control. <laughs> and they took him and stripped him and beat him mercilessly. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen the big clunks of faith of his flesh that was missing where they pulled his beard out. I've seen his face so battered you couldn't recognize who it was. I've seen his back when all the flesh was stripped away that you could see his organs and he hung there naked before all the world, you know, despising its shame. But what did he do it for? Because he was going to have a bride one day that was without spot or wrinkle. Don't ever think there's not power in the blood. <laughs> there is power in the blood. There is... You know, there's a scripture over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. It says something like this that, you know, talks about the blood and, we, you know, about salvation. But 
you know, it talks about the very same blood that bought your salvation, bought your destiny. Think about that for just a minute. Let me find that scripture. Let's go there. I'm, I'm kind of just going to follow a little bit of a leading. Um, I didn't have that in my notes. Let's see. I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. I just want to go there for just a moment. Actually, it's 2 Timothy. I always get them mixed up, which is the first or second. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. <clears throat> God has saved us. Say amen. amen. If you're happy to be saved, say praise the Lord. Amen. My sins are washed away. I'm going to heaven. My home is eternity. I am not going to stand before God with shame. I, I quoted this this morning that uh, because of his fleshly body and death, we stand before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. There are still people in this room this morning that need to understand that. You have been washed. Everything has been washed away. You're holy and blameless. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. I had an experience one time when the Lord said, would you ever, this is after I'd had this experience where I saw the Lord hanging on the cross, and would you ever diminish the importance of the cross? Would you ever not value the cross and the sufferings for your, for your salvation? I said, absolutely not. I will always esteem the cross for my salvation. He said, then why do my people not do the same for their destiny? It says here, who, called, who saved us and called us with a holy calling. The word there is divine destiny. He saved you and gave you a divine destiny, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, and grace that was granted to you in Christ Jesus before time began. Before I even get into my message this morning, I want to challenge you to begin to pursue your destiny. It says here, the very same blood that bought your salvation bought a destiny for you. Why are we flipping about it? Why are we not pursuing our destiny the same way we would pursue our salvation? Because the very same grace... And the way I saw this was that before the foundation of the world, the Bible says he went to the cross before the foundation of the world. You can read it for yourself. Before the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world in the heart of God. Do you know where you were before the foundation of the world? In the heart of God. You know what you were? You were a thought. You were an image in his own mind. One day he, he imagined Kent Maddox. And he had all these thoughts in his mind of what, of what Kent Maddox would be. Before he created planet Earth, he already had this image of a person that was inside of him, a son that would be named Kent Maddox, and this is what he would look like, and this is what his nature would be. And he, he orchestrated a divine destiny for him. But the problem was he couldn't achieve that destiny without grace. So before the foundation of the world, he already went to the cross to buy grace so you could be saved and have a divine destiny, a divine calling. Because you are a word that has been sent from God. What is a thought? A thought is a, a word is a thought expressed. I know you're not following me, but that's what I'm going to say again. A word is a thought expressed. God had a thought about who you would be one day, and he spoke that word into existence. What was the Lord Jesus? He was the word. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father. What are you to be? The revelation of the Word. One time I had an experience where I was just contending and believing and believing for the anointing. I was, I was at, you know, prophesying 
Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good. I was quoting the scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of the blind, proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. I was, I was declaring all of these scriptures that we do because we want to be anointed. I don't want to build a big ministry. I'm not trying to build a big name, but if I'm going to be called, I want to be anointed because I don't have any ability apart from him. I don't have charisma like Kent. <laughs> I need the anointing. <laughs> what if you have the anointing and charisma? Then you have a big church called Word Alive. That's what happens when you, when you have both. <laughs> but, I, you know, Jesus said, well, you can do nothing apart from me. You can do nothing apart from me. And that, that is so true for me. I know that. I'm well aware. I can do nothing apart from the anointing. And so I was believing for the anointing. I was believing. I heard a voice. I heard it. Whether it was external, internal, I heard a voice say, I am not going to anoint you. There was a long silence. Panic was just about to set in. I am going to anoint my word in you. That's when I realized he's not going to anoint me. He's going to anoint the revelation of his son in me. The apocalypse, the revelation, the unveiling, the disclosure, the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not trying to reveal you. He's trying to reveal his son through you. I will never forget hearing the testimony of T.L. Osborne. 1947 in Portland, Oregon, he had been a missionary to India, total failure, 1947. They went with a good argument. How I many you know if you're going to go try to win demonized people, you better have something more than a good argument. You better have something more than a seminary degree. You better have some power. I mean, this is what he said. You can watch it for yourself. See, I went there with a nice seminary degree, and the demons over there weren't too impressed with the seminary degree. So he comes home and was about to resign, true. He was about to leave the ministry, and his wife, Daisy, had heard there was a man in town that had power. So she was going to go to the meeting, but the, the uh, church she was a part of was not affiliated, so they refused to let her go. And she said, well, I'm going anyway. And only found one little lady, an 85-year-old lady. Kind of reminds me of Mama Horn, you know. And she took that little 85-year-old lady. The 85-year-old lady says, I'm too old to care what anybody thinks. I'll go with you. So the two of them go, and they sit up in the balcony on the left-hand side, packed house, 1947, Portland, Oregon. And this little country bumpkin preacher comes out butchering the king's English until the Holy Spirit showed up. And all of a sudden, miracles were happening, and, and people were getting out of wheelchairs, and she was watching the whole thing. And happened to be the night that a demonized man that liked to beat up preachers came running in the back of the building, and everybody knew him, about a 6'4", 240-pound demonized man who loved to beat up preachers. And so he comes running in the back of the church, and everybody sees him. They know him because he's notorious for that. He's starting to run up on the stage, and the, and the police are coming out. And the man of God, who was only a little small-statured man, says, no, 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 let him come up. Let him come up. The Lord already showed me he was coming. So the man comes running up and was going to beat him up right there in front of everybody. He gets six feet away and can't take another step. Gordon Lindsay writes this up in the, in the magazine called Voice of Healing. I have a copy of it. You can read it for yourself. 
Gordon Lindsay started Christ for the Nations. The man gets within six feet and cannot get any closer, so he's hurling profanities and cursing and spitting on the man of God. And the little man of God said, you know what? You've come here to insult the anointing of Jesus Christ, and because you have done that, you will bow to that name. True. Gordon Lindsay says all of a sudden sweat begins to pop off of his forehead. His knees begin to shake and crumble, and he falls to the floor in a heap and gets set free. Miss Daisy sitting up there the whole time. She went home that night and says, T.L., you're going tomorrow night whether you want to or not. <laughs> That's true. So the two of them come the next night, and this is, where T this is all on TBN. You can actually watch it for yourself. They come the next night, and T.L. says, sure enough, there was this little man, you know, just up there telling stories mainly, not really preaching too much, just telling stories about God, but clearly loved the Lord. And T.L. said, I looked down, and I had my second vision of Jesus. He said, I saw the Lord Jesus step behind that man and step into him. And the moment he said the Lord stepped into him, he said, I heard 10,000 voices saying, you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. And from then till now, I heard that story many, many, many years ago. And my quest has been one thing, just to simply try to get myself to a place where he can step in. Wouldn't it be wonderful this morning if the Lord just kind of stepped into us, you know? I had this surgery back in 2016, and a lot of you prayed for me. I know a lot of people in this church did. I, I kind of said some things this morning, and I won't go into it, but just how good you were to me during that time. But I had something happen. And the moment I remember them putting this mask over my, my face, you know, to go under for the surgery, the instant I remember the mask, and the next thing I know, I'm standing on my beach. And I have no awareness of the surgery. I have no awareness of anything except for the fact that I'm, I know right where I am because I walk this beach several times a week, right? Not even a mile from where I live. I walk that beach, you know, three and four times a week sometimes in good weather. And I knew the spot, the exact spot, because there were markers where I knew where I was. And I'm standing here on this beach, but I wasn't just standing in the beach in the way that I had before. I was standing in what I called a haven or a bubble of perfect love. I was standing literally, without going too much into it, in the presence of my Father. Perfect love. Perfect love. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm aware that I'm in the presence of my Father. I'd already had an experience with the Father earlier. And I know I'm in this, and I knew that it was contained, if you understand what I mean by that. It was, it was a specific contained area that I called a haven of love or a bubble of, I use the word bubble just to give you a mental image. Angels ascending and descending in this place and, and, and this presence was there and, and I was aware of the presence of my father. I was aware of the presence of perfect love but what was so interesting was I was equally aware of what was not there. You might think if I'm standing in the presence of the Father, that's all you think about. You're in the presence of the Father. But some part of me was equally aware that what was not there was fear. I was in an, a, a vacuum of fear. I was in a, there was no existence. There was no ability for fear or anxiety or even unbelief to exist in that realm. I, I stood there in this realm with an absence of anything this world has to offer. 
And I don't know how long I was there, but it was, you know, the surgery lasted three hours, and then I was in recovery for a couple of hours, and uh, they had some complications or whatever I won't go into. And, and so I was in this experience apparently about, about four or five hours because, uh, you know, I was just there. I was enjoying. I didn't want to leave. I was in perfect love, and I knew I was in perfect love. And in fact, the, the voice spoke to me and said, this was created by the love of the brethren. People had been praying for me, and as a result of that, God created a haven of love for me to go to while they were working on my body. And so I was in this place, and it was, the, I don't even have words, you know. I get frustrated every time when I try to describe it. There's just no description. There's just, only, you can only experience it. And all of a sudden, I heard my name being called, and I could feel it. And when they were calling my name, I could feel a pull. I don't know how you, if you can understand that, but I felt this pulling. And I'm like, I don't want to be pulled. <laughs> I want to stay right here forever. And, and they kept saying my name, Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis. And I'm like, the next thing I know, I'm shoot. I felt myself being pulled like a vacuum, and I'm standing in the parking lot of the hospital. And I'm like, I'm from, I know this place. I was just here. I realized, I mean, I'm in, I remember it now. This is the parking lot of the hospital. And I heard my name again, and I went through the door. <laughs> I know y'all probably think I'm weird, but this is normal, this is normal Christianity 101. It should be. <laughs> And I heard my name again, and I went down the hall, and next thing I know, I'm back in my body. And then I really wished I was back at the beach. <laughs> I looked up, and my son and my daughter were looking at me with this horrified look. I asked him later, I said, what was, why were y'all looking at me like that? They said, we had never seen anybody in that much pain before. <laughs> and I said, well, they gave me five morphine shots in 15 minutes. So I'm like, can I go back to the beach, please? Perfect love. Destiny. That's kind of what led me up to that. Grace that was set apart for you before time began. And if there's something I can release on you this morning before I really get into the message I wanted to share, it is an anointing of grace for you to begin to do what you were born to do. Grace that was set apart not only for our salvation but for your destiny. And the way I the way I saw it in my experience years ago was that there was an account in heaven with my name on it. And before the creation of the world, the Lord took a deposit of grace and put it in my account. And the grace that I needed to be saved was in that account. And the grace that I needed to do on the earth, what he'd called me to do, was in that account. And I told the Lord, I want to empty my account. That's kind of what I was leading up to. I want to empty <clears throat> my account. I don't want to get to heaven and find out I had all this grace of what I could have done on the earth if I had only been willing to pay a little price, maybe. If I'd only been willing to set my face like flint and say, I am not going to be denied my grace. I want my grace. I was born to be a son of God. You were born to be a... You, you ladies might say, how can I be a son of God? Because the sonship is about the word becoming flesh has nothing to do with gender. If I can be the bride of Christ, you can be the son of the kingdom, correct? It's not about gender. I've had a hard time with that, but the Lord has begun to teach me through that experience more and more of what the bridal thing is all about. And some of you ladies may need to have, have some help by the Holy Spirit to understand that sonship, the all of creation is not groaning, waiting for, well, I'll put it this way, all of creation is groaning, waiting for the huio sons of God. 
a body of people who have come to a place of maturity that have stepped into their inheritance. Or put another way, a body of people that have emptied their grace account. And their grace is on the earth, not in heaven. That's what it means. We owe sons of God. In the, you know, I, t- I quoted the scripture from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, etc. The Lord was the Word. And the Word went into the Jordan River. And when the Word came out of the river, the heavens opened. And the Spirit and the Word became one. And he said, this is my beloved Son. So you ladies, you become a son of God by virtue of having the revelation of the Word in you. And the Lord anoints the Word and says, this is my Son. Because the seed of your Father dwells in you. Do you realize that? This this is kind of where I want to go into. The seed of your Father dwells in you. I've been bringing this message, and I I just touched on it earlier. It says in Acts chapter 17 that you are the offspring of God. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Just think about that for just a minute. One of the worst false teachings that exists in the body of Christ today, in my opinion, is that we were adopted by God. Because it removes the identity of who you are. The Bible says right there, what you're the offspring of God. The seed of your father abides in you. Think about that now. Before the foundation of the world, my father put a seed inside of me. And in that seed is everything I will ever need to be. It's his life. It says in here, it's his nature. I know I'm going to say a couple of things this morning. You might have to go home and digest and process. But the Bible says we have the precious and magnificent promises by which we become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world and it's us. How can that be? I wish I could describe to you this visionary thing I've had, but inside of us is a seed. The Bible calls it the sperm, the sperm of God. Let me go to 1 Peter. Since you have an, an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, 1 Peter 1, 22, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, incorruptible, immortal, and not subject to decay. That is through the living and enduring word of God. The sperm of God exists in you. It says in 1 John 3 that he that is born again does not practice sin for the seed. Look it up in, in Strong's. The sperma of God abides in you. The life of God abides in you. The problem is we have kept it contained. And that life is wanting to come out. The life, the eternal life, the Zoe life, the life-giving spirit is desiring to come out of the seed that exists in us. And what I said earlier, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Well, we'll do verse 23, then we'll do verse 15. Not only this, but we ourselves. I'm kind of rushing through this because I want to go somewhere else in just a minute. But this is the main reason I came, so I don't want to rush. 
But I want to refute this idea that you have been adopted by God. I want you to understand that the seed of God abides in you. So therefore, if adoption isn't the becoming of a Christian, what is it? That's the million-dollar question. That's one of the most important things the Lord is doing today. Here's my saying that I felt like the Lord gave me. You don't receive the spirit of adoption to become a son. You receive the spirit of adoption because you are a son. So the Lord told me, I am poor. Go tell my people. When I had that experience where the, the Father revealed himself to me, he said, go tell my people I am pouring out the spirit of adoption, but they don't understand it. People think, I don't need the spirit of adoption. I'm already a Christian. No, you need the spirit of adoption because you are a Christian. You need the spirit of adoption because you are a believer because when you became a believer, you were a, you were a baby, a child, but the Lord is trying to make you a man. He's trying to make you a mature son of God like the Lord Jesus was when he came out of the river because the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out. And what he's, going, he's going to anoint whatever seed is in you. Can I tell you something else? If there is a tear seed inside of you, guess what's coming up out of you? A tear. If you have a religious, traditional seed when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what kind of tree is coming up? A religious, traditional, mean seed. So what, what is our grace right now? Our grace right now is that the Lord is revealing his word. He's pouring an anointing out upon his word. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not, you Christians, if you read the whole passage there, he's talking to believers. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. How many of you want a relationship with your father? How many of you would like to see the Father sitting on his throne saying, this is my son? Would you like to do that? Spirit of adoption is what takes you there. Spirit of adoption is what gives you the revelation of your Father. The spirit of adoption is what opens the veil, and the Lord Jesus, if you will, says, this is your Father. You need to understand sonship, you understand the Father. If you want to understand perfect love, understand the Father, because the Father is perfect love. For God so loved the world. You know one of the most horrible, I heard this with my own ears. The most horrible thing I think I've ever heard from the pulpit, a preacher, I heard it, said, God, the Father is judgment. He would kill us all, but thank God for Jesus because he's mercy. They had made the Father justice and made Jesus mercy. That is the most heretical thing I've ever heard in my entire life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever. God didn't just send somebody. God became a man. He endured the cross. The Lord said, Philip, have I been so long with you and you don't know who I am yet? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and my Father are one. I am in my Father and my Father is in me. I am a replica, is what it says over in another passage in Hebrews. I'm a replica of my Father. The invisible God was made visible. And if we want to know the Father, if we're going to experience what's coming in this generation, because what's coming today is the outpouring of the Feast of Tabernacles. We're moving out of the Pentecostal age. We all know that we're in a time of change, correct? 
This is an absolute time of change. So what are we changing into? What is the, what is the emphasis going to be? We're coming into an emphasis on all of the prophetic implications that are associated with the Feast of Tabernacles. We will always have the Pentecostal experience, but the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 that the Pentecostal experience is an earnest. I don't want earnest. I want fullness, the fullness of the stature of Christ. You won't have that without adoption. If the Lord pours the Spirit out of adoption on you, you will not be able to stay where you are. You can't. That Spirit will not allow you to stay where you are. But you know what else that spirit will do? It will correct you. Do you want to know how I know that? <laughs> I've had a few trips to the woodshed. There is a something just shifted in this room just then. <clears throat> There was a, um, I had this thing happen, something just came in here and I'm going to try to cooperate with it. But I was sharing in, in uh, Nashville some years ago and the spirit of breakthrough came and I just felt something very similar. I don't know, are you seeing anything? <clears throat> And it was a spirit that used to be with Bensonida Hosa, where the spirit of breakthrough would break through his enemies like the breakthrough of waters, and then harvest would come. And in my experience years ago, I saw this angel coming that would break through enemies and resistance and oppression and lies and unbelief. And the angels that gather would co-labor with it to begin to bring in a body of people. I shared that with uh, the very first conference I ever did with Chuck Pierce and that angel came he came into the room 2600 people just began to intercede and just yell and scream and I didn't know what to do it scared me to death really and Chuck Pierce comes up and gets on the stage and and I prayed for him and just released this Jeremiah one word into his life where the Lord was going to put a word in his mouth a word that would uproot, tear down, and destroy, but a word that was also plant and build and some other things. And he said just two weeks ago at Morningstar that in December of this year, that angel came to him and released a word about war, that we were entering a season of warfare. And my first reaction was, I've just been in a season of war. I want peace, but this is not that kind of war. This is a war from a posture of victory. This is God already saying, all right, I've heard, you've been through it now. I'm about to give you the victory you've been believing for. And that's kind of what I felt like entered the room just now. That there's just over this next season, I have no idea how long, but I just want to cooperate with the spirit of breakthrough, to break through your enemies like the breakthrough of waters, that what you have been believing for would begin to be manifested on a personal level as well as a church, as a community of people. That whatever these things are, and I, there's just, you know, I, I haven't been here in a while, but just in the region, I just feel like things have been really stirred up. 
And I just feel like the corruption, I feel corruption in the realm of the spirit. And I just, I pray the Lord would break through all of that stuff right now. And way too many people are on drugs in this area. I have no idea of the demographics of that, but I, I can just feel that there's such, a, such a, um, a release of the enemy, that there's so much addiction in this area that is, that is disproportionate for what it should be with the amount of people that live in the area. And we just break that right now by the blood of Jesus. Can we just do that? And if you have people in your family that are involved with addictions, we just break that off of their life now by the blood of Jesus Christ. Way too much tradition, way too much religion. For, for this area. Too much truth has been preached and prophesied from right here. There is just no place for it anymore. So God, I ask that you push it back right now, this morning. Push back tradition and false teachings and false theologies and hopelessness and, and even this idea. I tell you what I just heard. He said, I'm breaking off of this region the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. Now that's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans where leaders try to gather people around themselves we're going to break that off of the region right now. We're going to break the influence of that spirit is what I'm saying. We're breaking the influence of this Nicolaitan spirit off of this region where the true leadership will say, here is the Lord, go have it, go find a relationship. And we'll be a, be a facilitator of the anointing, not someone that tries to, to gather the people around themselves. So we'll break that this morning. Whatever just came in the room, we want to cooperate and release it and, and, and send a word that goes into the realm of the Spirit that will not fall, that will not fail. Grant that, Lord, that over this next several months, we'll begin to see this shift take place. We'll begin to see the change that you have prophesied. You know, talking about change is not something new. What we want to see is the fruit of change. I'm tired of talking about something. I want to see it. I, I told the Lord, don't send me back out just to talk about something. I want to see it. I'm not telling the Lord what to do. You understand my heart when I say that. You know, I'm tired of talking about, we have to do some forecasting. I know that. We have to put a vision in front of the people, but I want to see the reality of it now. I, you know, I want to see the fruit of the anointing. I want to see the, the fruit of changed lives. I want to see people's hearts that are broken to be bound, to bind the brokenhearted, which is what he said. And there's way too much brokenheartedness in this region. And I pray, Lord, that you would send a, a salve, an anointing to begin to bind the brokenhearted. Whether they come to this church or not, we just want people to be healed, right? Just let them be healed because you're pouring out the spirit of adoption in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that, I pray. I had this experience in 2003. I started to share it this morning, but when I got off of it, where I went flying with the Lord, I had this where he just took me into the spirit. I'll just put it that way. And we were just, I was just enjoying this fellowship with the Lord, you know. I was right over his right shoulder, and his hair was kind of blowing in my face, and it was just wonderful. And I was just happy to be there. And the Lord said, look down there. And so I looked over his shoulder, and I saw the death of Billy Graham. I mean, I saw the death of Johnny Cash. Then I looked a little bit further, and I saw the death of Billy Graham. I prophesied this back in 2003. The first time I shared it, I didn't share it much more after that. I think that was in August of 2003. And then, of course, we know Billy Graham went home this year. And, the, and what I felt like the Lord told me was from then till now, 2003 till now, there has been a season of preparation of a body of people. We've shared that many times. I've shared it here. 
But now that season is over and part of the new season, part of the new thing is that we're about to, those that have been prepared, those that have allowed a pruning and a refining process are about to begin to enjoy the anointing for which they were being prepared. In fact, literally what I believe has happened over the last several years is Zechariah chapter 3. Do you remember Joshua the high priest comes before the Lord and he's wearing filthy garments? And I, I just see that image here for this region that a lot of people are still wearing the filthy garments of Babylon. Confusion. And the Lord is bringing, the, the angels are bringing people before the Lord. And the Lord says, take away those filthy, <clears throat> filthy garments. <clears throat> take them away. Because I'm going to clothe you with festal robes. Then he said, put a clean turban on their head, on his head. So they put a clean turban on the head of Joshua. And that's a new way of thinking. So the last season has been the removal of the filthy garments, the shame, the condemnation, the religion. The, 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 the weakness and the powerlessness that we have had being taken away and a new, new set of garments being put on us called festal robes. Those are called robes of celebration. And a, and a new mantle is being placed upon our head. Then he says, the admonition to Joshua the high priest was, now, if you'll walk in my ways and perform my service, you'll govern my house, have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access. Free access to what he says among these that are standing here. If you examine verse 1 and 2 of that, it's in the presence of the Lord and of the angels. I'll give you free access, is what he said. I did a study on the Hebrew word there. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 7, on what's being translated free access. Do you know what the most accurate translation is? Free access. I mean, it really is. That's the New American Standards translation of it. That is the most accurate translation of the word. If you walk in my ways, perform my service, I'll give you charge of my courts. You'll govern my house, and I'll give you free access. Isn't that what we want? Access to God. You might say, well, that's great for you preachers. Really? Really? Is that, is that the attitude anyone's going to have this morning? My attitude is, if you're giving me, if, if you're giving give Kent free access, I want it too. Whether I'm a preacher or not, I want free access. <laughs> Why? The spirit of adoption is on me. The spirit of adoption is on you. I'm not going to listen to somebody else's testimony and be okay with it. I'm going to listen to somebody else's testimony and say, okay, now I want my own. You're no respecter of persons, right? You know what the Bible says? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you should be, the spirit of adoption will provoke you. You will not be able to see the validity and the reality of these places in God and not desire to pursue them for yourself. Not with the spirit of adoption on you. Because it's your inheritance. It's what he purchased for you with his blood. Access. It's all about access. It's all about entering a place where he begins to do through you what he did when he walked the earth in human form. One time I was asking the Lord, what is the definition of the kingdom? And he gave it to me. The kingdom of heaven is this. The Lord Jesus Christ living and abiding in his people, doing through his people what he did when he walked the earth in human form. I had another experience that I shared right here when Ken had asked me to come do the Days of Noah series. I forget now how many years ago that was. I was sitting in my hotel suite in Alberta, Canada, and this relates to Billy Graham, the reason I'm sharing it. And I was, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was preparing to do a very difficult message. I was going to preach on Genesis 6. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you preach on Genesis 6, you better be prepared. In case you don't know what Genesis 6 is, it's when the daughters of... The sons of God, so the daughters of men and giants were the offspring. Remember that? 
Um, when the Lord said, I want you to preach that, I said, oh, no, this can't, Lord, send him. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't send me to do that one. I don't want to do Genesis 6, you know. And so I, anyway, I did it. It was a great revelation. The Lord began to talk to me about the fact. The Lord said, what overcame the days of Noah, you must overcome. The, the spiritual oppression, the issues of Genesis 6 are the very things we're dealing with today. Don't have time to go into that message, but here's what I was after. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sitting in my, on my couch in my suite, and the only way I know how to tell you is I'm wide awake, just like I am now, and something came through the ceiling that looked like another realm. I don't want to use words that make sound silly, but this other realm just came down into the room and settled into my suite, and all of a sudden, my natural senses were not completely suspended, but they were like they were set aside, and I was now in this new realm. And I was standing facing this way in a football field, and I could hear out on the football field the voice of Billy Graham preaching away. The place was packed, and I'm looking at a family sitting right here, a husband, a wife, and a little son, and I know this sounds funny, but the little boy had one of those clip-on ties. You guys remember that? I, used, I, I even thought I hated those things. <laughs> but they were dressed for the 1960s. And so I, I was listening to him preach to my left, and all of a sudden they started to sing the song, Just As I Am. And when they did, the people began to orderly, very quietly, politely, get out of their seats and begin to walk down to the field, and they were giving their life to the Lord. Suddenly a voice came booming from above me and said, what's coming will not be like this. Though I knew it was going to be evangelistic, it was not going to be this nice, quiet, orderly coming out of the, you know, the seats, walking down to get saved. As wonderful as that was. You understand, I'm honoring Billy Graham. He said, what's coming will not be like this. And the next thing I know, I'm standing on a stage just like this, elevated just like this one. And, uh, and uh, I've got the mic in my left hand, and I'm, I'm preaching, and all of a sudden, I, um, and I look around at an altar much bigger than this one. And from one wall to the other was packed with sick people. Cots and gurneys, wheelchairs, and right over here, I looked, and there was a man seated in a wheelchair with his legs elevated, and his feet were curled under like that. And another man who had some kind of leg disorder. And over next to him was another man lying on a cot um, with this big tumor protruding from his abdomen. Pretty gross looking thing. And some of them had doctors attending them while, while this was going on. But I knew there was a sense of expectation that God was about to show up. You don't line sick people up that are dying unless you know God is about to show up. So I had this hope. I had this expectation the Lord's about to come, and he's about to heal these people because that's the way it was in the 1950s in A.A. Allen meetings and William Brownham meetings and Catherine Kuhlman meetings. And I had that realization about that time the double doors right here burst open and this group of maybe seven or eight people, I didn't count them, but about that many people came through the back doors and I could clearly see they were trying to constrain a young girl, maybe 16 years old, and she was throwing them around like rag dolls. I mean, they were, it took all of them to hold her and constrain her and bring her. And they took a few steps into the building. And I know, uh, this is just, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm thinking, somebody better deal with that. <laughs> and I got the mic. So I knew I'm the one that's going to have to deal with that. And so they're walking down the aisle. So I took a few steps over this way. And my first thought was, I don't have time to go into prayer and fasting.
I don't have time to call for the blood sisters who know how to get up there and apply the blood, you know. They're coming down the aisle, and I'm about to meet them. And then my second thought was, a mere gift of the Spirit is not enough. I needed Christ in me, the hope of glory. That was my two thoughts. So I turned the corner right here. By that time, they were almost to, to the front, and I looked at the little girl, and I saw a 12-foot being inside of her. You've got to remember, I was preaching from Genesis chapter 6, and something came over me. Something came over, and I said, be gone, just like that. Instantly, it was gone. Instantly, it was gone. The whole family fell under repentance, and all over the room, things began to happen. And a voice came again from above, beam, just came booming down and said, what has previously been relegated to India and Africa is coming to America. And somebody had better get some authority with me and in a hurry. And that was 2008, I believe it was. And that word has come to, we are seeing things now in America we never dreamed we would say. Isn't that true? The demonic things that we've only heard about in Africa, in India, are happening on our news now. I remember not long after I shared that one time, they had, it's after 1230, we okay, Kent? I was watching where they, they the video of this guy that was totally bizarre, berserk, trying to eat people. Did y'all see that? So demonized, he was trying to, he was on the highway. They had to finally kill him because anybody that came around him, he started biting off their ears and started, you know, doing... And I thought, that looks like it came from Africa. <laughs> I remember shortly after I, had, I shared that word, a meeting with Heidi Baker in Chicago, Illinois, and sat next to Heidi at lunch, and I shared what I just shared with you with her, and I said, the Lord told me what you've been dealing with in Africa, we're about to deal with in, in America. So what have you been dealing with? And she was eating a chef's salad, I'll never, never forget. So she's eating this salad, didn't even stop. She said, well, last week I watched a man turn into a, wolf. a wolf. Watched a man turn into a wolf. Now, that might empty a lot of the churches in America. You guys know who Heidi Baker is? Do you believe she would lie? she have any reason to lie? you believe the devil's doing stuff like that? Absolutely. Now, my question is, who's going to deal with it? Because if we don't, who will? So I share that with you this morning in closing. <laughs> because if we ever needed the spirit of adoption, it's now. Because I, we don't have the authority we need to deal with what's out there. But we're going to get it. We're going to. I believe it with all my heart. I believe the Lord is about to pour some serious authority. I know we need anointing, but there is a distinction between authority and anointing. Authority is being able to point at a 12-foot being and say, be gone, and it's gone. Not 12-point this, not repeating ourselves, not begging it, standing there and saying, be gone. Why? Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I believe the death of Billy Graham is marking the fact that we've moved into this season. And I do believe there's about to be a great wave of harvest, but it's not going to be the old 1960s evangelistic crusades. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be cots and gurneys that are filling the altar. It's going to be people that are so sick and so helpless that if God doesn't show up, we're not even sure they're going to survive to the end of the service. It's going to be people coming in the back of the churches that are so demonized. It's going to take six people to constrain them. But in the end, it's going to be a body of people that have stepped into sonship. 
that have stepped into their authority that are the word of God manifested in flesh that will be able to deal with what's coming. And so, you know, you might, that's the big question right now. What do we do about all the gun violence? What do we do? I, I got the answer. The Holy Spirit. That is the only answer. Us doing what we're born to do is the remedy. That is the resolution. That is the, that is the, the, the answer. And just now, as I said that, I just felt another wave come over me just to release that into the realm of the spirit of this region. Whatever the issues are of this region, you are the remedy. You are the remedy. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you will anoint Kent, that you will anoint his staff, that you will anoint his family, you will anoint the intercessors and those that are doing ministry with an extraordinary anointing, that you would release the spirit of break here to begin to break through their enemies like the breakthrough of waters. Anoint them, I pray, to begin to do exploits to your glory. I pray this morning that you would pour out on Word Alive the spirit of adoption that you would pour it out that over the next weeks and months that Kent would have an anointing on him, release upon the people the spirit of adoption that will move them and prod them and a grace for acceleration. I really felt something on that, Kent, a grace for acceleration to move from where you are to where you, where you need to be in a very quick fashion. Grant that, I pray, Lord. Push back these realm darkness. Push back all the things that have kept the soulish realm so stirred up. May there be a grace and a canopy that surrounds this place that causes the emotions to be at peace so the Spirit can come forth. Grant that, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I can. If I've got time? All right, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. I was a little conscious of the time. He wants me to pray. Can I just, I'm going to pray over a few people. Can I do that? I've, had, I've, I've noticed a couple of people. This lady right here in the black. In fact, these y'all together? You, you, you just raise your hand. And you? Yep. And you right there too. Just uh, you. Well, you might as well. But the one next. Yeah. You kept saying me. Yeah. You. <laughs> I just want to. I've noticed when I, I've looked right there. And of course, you guys can stand up too if you like. But I'm just going to release an anointing over you because every several times I saw that little light coming right over here and right over here's a lady uh, the, the red and the black shirt you guys stand up I think y'all are on the same row just if you would stand up no no right in front though but you can stand up too yeah there we go <laughs> y'all are supposed to be prophetic knowing who I'm talking to you too yeah. in, the, in the red I just want to pray for you can I do that are you guys from here yes okay I just want to release something on your life right now. Can I do that? Just an anointing that you will carry from this place. While I'm, while I'm getting them to, to stand, though, you, sir, in the blue shirt right there in the corner, would you stand up too? Yep. And um, <clears throat> grant it, Lord. Just be focusing on the Lord right now. We just got the Lord to release something fresh. This young man right here too, would you stand up? Yep. I'm going to just release a breaker anointing on some of these people that you will begin to carry something that your words would be anointed, that your words would go into the realm of the Spirit, that there would be something that, that you declare and decree and prophet that, that will not return void, that there will be an Isaiah 55 paradigm on your life. Grant that, I pray, Lord. Release it, I pray. This uh, young lady right here in the front row, if you would stand too. This, <clears throat> you don't have to stand to get this. I just wanted to stand because... I can feel the pull on it. So, Lord, anoint these people. Stir up 
what's on the inside of them. I feel like a lot of what I may have already shared, it could be affirmation and confirmation to what you were already getting. And so, Lord, seal it in them. Seal it in them so that, so that now they have faith, now extraordinary faith. Now they know. Before you were questioning, was this you, God? Was this really you? Is that the way you were feeling? Yeah. But now you know it is him. Now it's God. Okay, I'm going to believe. And I'm not going to be denied. That's what I want you to come away with. That you say, okay, this is God. And I will not be denied. Been birthed inside of my spirit. Release that, I pray. I see this, uh, this couple right back here, this black couple. I can just see that light around you. Just, just receive that anointing right now to decree. I bet you guys do a lot of praying. Do you, do you like to pray? You like, you like to pray, don't you, sir? I can see it on you. Stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. I'm going to ask the Lord to increase it. Just increase it even more. I mean, you can, your wife can stand too. Y'all can both stand. <laughs> I could just, you know, you don't normally see that, that mantle of intercession on men as much as you do women. So Lord, I release that into this man's heart. Even more than that, you kind of have a little evangelistic thing in your life. You like to lead people to the Lord? Yeah, you do? You do it at work? Is that what you do? You do something? You do it? Good. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. The Lord's going to bring some people into your path. And some hard cases even. People that maybe it looks like, you know, they're difficult, a hard shell to crack. But I pray God will give you something that you can do that. Words of wisdom that can be released that will break the barriers and these shells. And, and, and I really feel like, you know, when I dealt with this issue of addiction, there I felt it's when I said that a lot of the family members in here have people in addiction. If you want to just stand to your feet, listen, why don't we believe God? that he will begin to deliver your family members from the spirit of, a, of addiction and uh, way too many. That's just way, that's way too many. So Lord, just break it off. Just right now, just with your heart, lift your heart to God. Say, oh God, oh God, only you can do it. Only you can bring my son or my daughter back. Only you, Lord, we just break off of these family members. The spirit of addiction. That demon, we cast it out by the blood of Jesus Christ. We release grace and favor. This is a huge percentage of the people sitting here. This is way too many. It shouldn't be this way, Lord. So now, give them grace. Give them the anointing. That they can believe their hearts that that loved one's coming in. We send the angels that gather to come in, to bring them in, to break off of them this meth and alcohol and all the other things that have, that have ruined their lives. We're asking that you redeem the time. That's what I really feel a grace on. If you can somehow get to your family members and say, nothing's lost, God can redeem the time because the hopelessness they feel only makes it spiral that much more. Say, no, God can redeem the time. He can make up for lost time. Release it, I pray. Release it, I pray. Oh, this is not unusual, but I just felt like the Lord said break suicide off of some of them too. That the spirit of suicide would, would come off of them right now. If you know you have a loved one that's on the brink of that, kind of give me a wave. Okay, okay. a couple here, a couple over there. Lord, we just send life to them. We send life off of them, the spirit of suicide. Can we really believe God for that tonight? Not just go through the motions. Can we really just believe the Lord to do this he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly he gave us authority I'm going to believe I'm going to believe that the Lord is going to have authority to deal with these broken lives that he's not going to leave it as it was
just going to believe it with all my heart this morning that something good is going to happen. That we're going to begin to agree with the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Grant that, I pray. Grant that, I pray. Grant that, I pray. I feel like, is there, is there someone whose daughter has run away and you don't know where they are? Is there anyone? Or is there, is a homeless, kind of even a homeless situation? Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Okay. A daughter who's not home. I, feel, I still feel that. Okay. But you know where she is. She just ran away. Oh, you don't know where she is. Okay. See, I felt that. He wouldn't let me leave it. So that's important. That's important to God. Can you come down here? Would that be okay? Um, is there another one? Is there someone else? Come up, come, come down here. Amy, would you? That was important. I was going to just leave it because nobody away, but this is important. This is important. And some, maybe, yeah, just we're going to pray. We're going to believe. We're going to believe God. This is huge. This, these are lives that matter. They're in purpose provision. Lord, touch this lady. Touch your life right now. Can you come a little, can you come a little closer? I just want to, can I touch your head? Would that be okay? I just, I know that's got to be tough. Okay, Lord Jesus. God for miracles this morning. Can we do that? Just believe the Lord is going to do something great. Just think if all these people had their family members restored, you're in revival. This would be a revival. This would be what we've been asking for. Let's believe God for it. I'm not going to just pass a passing prayer and say, I'm going to believe that God's going to do something. He's going to release the hosts of heaven to fight for you. I love that scripture. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent, while you just simply stand and believe. Stand still, he says, and see the salvation of God. Oh, I feel some weight on that. Stand still and see the salvation of God and what he will accomplish for you this very day. The Lord will fight for you. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.